This is the EVP Podcast. What's up, y'all? It's the EVP Podcast with your host. I'm Ghosty. I'm Beaker. And we got a special guest with us. We have a guest. What's your name? Mark McLean. Oh, it's Mark McLean. Not to be confused with Die Hard McLean. Yeah, it's not John McLean. <laughs> That's my brother. Yeah, he's the one that climbed through the um, air ducts. So if you guys remember, and for those of you that joined us, thanks for coming to our investigation last week. That was a good turnout, huh? That was pretty badass. Thanks, I think, everybody. Yeah, we had a it bunch awesome. of, we had a ton of people. It was pretty, almost sold out. Just a, There's only a couple tickets that were left, but yeah, it was almost sold out. Pretty good, pretty good. But yeah, the only thing I, the only issue I had was it was a lot of the normal areas were closed off for reconstruction. So yeah. it kind of made the venue a lot smaller than what I'm used to. But then, and I haven't been there since like 2018. Neither of you. Right. The only place. But it I was think still really fun to investigate. The only place that was missing. What, what was missing that we didn't get to do from last time? Well, the Navy room, which is on the other side of the room where we recorded. Yeah. That whole half of that hall. The was... whole half. Well, the, you go down the stairs and there's actually two more rooms. Oh, damn. To investigate in. And on the main building, we were only able to go down the stairs around the backside into the cigar room. Yeah, so we didn't see the gravestones. Yeah, we didn't get to go right. in the room. Because normally, like, in that main building, we'd have, like, there'd be a group that could be upstairs investigating. You'd have a group in the headstone room. You'd have a group in the cigar room. And those two rooms, all that stuff is far enough apart that you're not really interfering with anybody else. So we actually had probably a good two to three places that we normally had in the past. Again, we haven't been there in like five years mm-hmm. um, that we didn't get to go to this time. So, But that's okay because we, we still had a good turnout. Um, everyone but me had experiences apparently. <laughs> um, but it was, it was fun. So if you listened to last week's episode – one of our first guests that came on and shared their experiences was Mark. And so we asked Mark to come today and share some of more, some of more, some of more, some of more, some of more of his experiences, some more of his experiences. I may have also been mentioned at least one other episode. I think you've been mentioned a few times. Is your mic Do I need to talk closer? Yep. Yep. All right. Well, so we had uh, out in Twilla. Had some fun times with you guys with having speakers growl at us. Oh, yeah, yeah, you else. were there for he that. There. That's yes. right. Asylum 49. We did. So let's um, let's start with Mark. How did you get into the paranormal? Like, what piqued your what interest? my life story is. No. Um, Tell us from you, the day you, you were. scared and fascinated. From what? the day you were born. <laughs> what made you, like he said, what made you scared and fascinated? So I, I think I, I've had a number of experiences when I was younger. Um, I think the first, what I would consider a paranormal experience that, that, that I had was when I was like six. I had the, uh, the grandparent of my neighbor across the street. They had died, had a heart attack right there in the front lawn and passed away. Whoa. And I started having this reoccurring dream of me walking down a street, uh, down our street, and seeing the grandfather standing there kind of clothed in mist. And then he kind of would stand up and look at me, and he had no eyes. It was all blacked out eyes. And this was a reoccurring dream that happened for like two weeks. And, and I didn't, I couldn't, I got to the point, I told my parents I can't go to sleep. And 
that's when they kind of taught me the kind of the power of prayer. And I had a said a prayer with my family and th that was the end of that. And it ended up going away. But uh, I've had several other experiences. Uh, I, I'm a member of the LDS faith it, uh, that I've had experiences inside uh, the, the, the LDS temples where I've met people and talked with people and then turned around and they weren't there. Whoa. So uh, some really, really cool kind of very spiritual experiences there. Uh, but it wasn't until about 10 years ago, about maybe nine and a half years ago, uh, I had a, a friend of mine who was actually teaching music lessons to my son. Uh, they posted a, a thing on Facebook, and they had it. With, they were going out ghost hunting with uh, Ben Hansen, uh, or Hansen Ben Hansen, sorry. And they, I, I, I mentioned to them that it's like uh, her name was Deanne. Uh, she, she's a founder of the the group called Wisps, and. I told her, man, I would love kill to go, to go on one of those because I, I did grow up kind of watching uh, ghost hunters and 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 really kind of love those type of things and uh, I also loved the uh, fact and uh, fate from mm -hmm. with Ben Hansen and so I uh, it's like man I'd really love to be involved with one of those type of things and they're like well next time we we're, we get something going uh, we'll let you know and and about three four months later uh, Deanne came to me. Uh, uh, texted me and said, "Hey, you know what? We're actually putting together a ghost hunting group. Uh, that, and if you want to be a part of it, uh, just let us know." And I was like, "Absolutely!" And so that was started off. That was like nine years ago, and I was one of the kind of the very first members of Wisps, also known as uh, Advanced Par Paranormal Services. And uh, I started going on and ghost hunts with them. We we went through a number of different things and. Right at the beginning, I have to admit, I, I was one of those type of people that kind of repelled uh, activity. <laughs> I, I honestly went to probably four or five ghost hunts and had like zero experiences. Now, my background is engineering. Um, I, I do product development. And um, so I, I took that background and a lot of the things that what I thought might have been experiences, uh, even my first experience at Asylum 49, I went around and I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. I took a couple pictures and bam, one picture had this awesome looking orb on it. I thought it was the most incredible. I was like, oh, good. Wow. I've been, I captured this perfect orb on a photo. <laughs> and it was like being the engineering mind, kind of the, that critical mind. I was like, man, I've heard people talk about these things being like dust and, and stuff like that. So the first thing I did is I, I went home that night and went into my garage i took a broom and just started kicking up the dust and i uh started taking snapping photos and, and sure enough about four or five photos in i had almost the exact same orb kind of picture show up on, on in the camera <laughs> and so i know that i kind of debunked that type of thing i went through and i tried to debunk a, a lot of different things and tried to learn and understand uh, what's natural phenomenon, which, you know, what can happen. And I could try to shy away from a lot of the equipment that I just didn't understand the technology behind. I, I'm fine with things like, uh, I, I became known for a while as Melmeter Mark. Uh, <laughs> uh, true. But, and part of that was because I, I did understand and I at least accepted the you know, kind of the technology between uh, behind 
uh, EMF in mm-hmm. electromagnetic fields. And so that was one of the, my go-to things. And, and I, I went through, and I, I've used a, a several different millimeters or K2 meters. Uh, even got to the opportunity, because I'm an engineer, I ended up uh, helping uh, Alpha Labs, a company that uh, makes the Trifield meter. Oh, wow. And I uh, consulted for them for a short period of time and helped them redesign their Trifield meter. And so I designed... Awesome. So when you, when you look at the dry field meter in its uh, current state, all the plastic housings and everything else that was all designed by me. Oh, awesome! <laughs> Which was kind of funny on its own right because it they I did I, I they had me design it like four different times, and then the first time I designed it, I went off of uh, exactly what the owner wanted, and I brought it in and, and, and the the old version. It, it looked like it was something from out of the, the 50s or 60s. And I designed it exactly the way he wanted it. And it really only brought it to the like the 70s, 80s. <laughs> so it really didn't improve it a whole lot. But I, it was exactly what the, the owner loved. He loved it. And then he brought it to everybody else. And he said, and they said, this is horrible. And they're, they're like, we got to do this all over again. And so we... I redesigned it again, uh, working with an industrial designer, and we made this ultra, really nice modern version that was definitely uh, 21st century uh, type uh, deal. And we took it back, and all everybody else in the company loved it. The owner hated it, and he refused. To, he he almost <laughs> pulled the plug on the entire project as a whole. Oh, so we went through a couple more dis- uh, re- revisions. Basically brought that trifield meter up into the 90s, anyways. And so it's it's just kind of a cross between. It's not super ultra modern, but we we definitely had some things to go. But so if you ever see that, I love seeing it when it, things like a uh, the Skinwalker Ranch uh, uh, show. They buy like a hundred of them, and so they're, they're, you can see that trifield meter all how over does the it, place. How does the trifield meter work? So it, it measures several different uh, frequencies. It's going, but the one that used mostly for ghost hunting, and, and quite honestly, the owner of the company absolutely hates the fact that it gets used for ghost hunting, so, just by the way. Yeah, like EMF meters in general, like K2 meters, the Trifield, those things weren't designed for ghost hunting. That's not the no, original like purpose. Contractors. Yeah, yeah, this is very much for contract work and everything else. But it also is touted to be one of the most sensitive meters available on the industry. Um, and it, but it, it has a different kind of sensor array on the front that picks up uh, the electromagnetic fields and, uh, it, which is all measured in Gauss and, um, and it, it, it really works quite well. It, it's got, some, it lights up with a light up screen now, which was huge. Uh, the previous version was sort of a needle that you had to shine a light on to see what was going on type of thing. I'm fully aware that that's how we had to do it with uh, Ben Hansen. Yep, when yep, investigated with him, yeah. we someone shining a flashlight on his trifle meter <laughs> to see if it was going off. Yeah. Because, again, they weren't designed for ghost hunting. <laughs> so, anyways, that, that, that was one kind of a, a fun claim to fame to, to something that I already was uh, trying to use. And so uh, I always have one of those uh, on hand uh, when I go on ghost hunts. Mm-hmm. And during that time, uh, with WISPs, we did uh, a huge number of uh, home investigations. But we also, uh, for a long time, we did. Uh, we were the hosts for Chunga hunts, and that was. Uh, I got thrown in on the deep end on one of the first Chunga hunts that WISPs uh, uh, hosted. 
uh, I showed up uh, as kind of one of the wits, and and they were, and I'd probably done maybe eight ghost hunts myself. And they were like, here's here's a group. Now you're in charge of them. Now go around and show them how ghost hunting works. And so uh, I had to learn kind of fast. And we, fortunately, at th those times, we went to some pretty incredible places uh, with the Chunga hunts. And uh, whether it was uh, the the county building or uh, the Zions building, the old, old Zions building downtown, uh, there were some a lot of activity in those places and it was a lot of fun and within that first year of doing ghost hunting i met beaker here yep and which has been a huge amount of fun i i i even put down a, a huge list of all the experiences i've had and i i looked down through that list and oh my, there's, there's on like the back. Four there's a backlog now. That's where, where I, <laughs> <laughs> it's, this list is like seven pages long. I started forgetting what I was, uh, all the experiences that I've had. And so I, I was like, you know what? I got to write these down, at least have some little jot of something that to help trigger my memory of, of those experiences. And I looked down that list and there is a huge amount that uh, I had with Tim uh, or with Beaker. There's so many of these. Yeah. <laughs> I've, we've been on a ton of investigations together. Yeah. There's been investigations where uh, it hasn't been anyone else on the team. There's we've probably done at least a dozen where it's just been me and you. Absolutely. Um, and it's when I first met you, I always like looked at you as kind of like because you are an engineer. That's what they told us, and uh, I always looked at you as like the scientific guy that always kind of try to explain things rationally. And I thought it was really interesting because I was just getting into ghost hunting myself when I joined Wisps. Uh, it was probably about six months after you guys created the team. And um, one of the things that I first learned was the the flashlights. You always wanted to use the mag lights that had the twist on. You didn't want the buttons. And you could ask yes or no questions. I've had successful flashlight sessions where it's actually gone on the way that I've wanted to. They've been responding the way that I asked them to because I usually too, use two mag lights. It's always best um, to use two flashlights for sure. But you were the one that actually explained to me like how you could tell if it was uh, a false positive more or less with the flashlights. You explained um, exactly what the flashlights are doing. You kind of explained the whole, was it the thermal dynamics behind it? The, the thermal expansion on the actual dome inside the mag light uh, can actually trigger if if you let it heat up just enough, uh, and then get it to that point where it just barely turns off. As the maglite cools, it will turn itself back on, and then as it heats up, it will turn itself off. And it happens; it'll turn itself on or off every minute and a half or something like that. So you can actually, and, and admittedly, I may have done it once or twice as I was doing ghost hunts. I may have turned on my flashlight because there was nothing else going on and made them go on and off. So everybody <laughs> got excited about it. Uh, but, uh oh, giving like, up tricks. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're, they're talking to us. Was like, yeah, maybe. Um, you knew what that I knew what was Yeah, I knew what was going on. But uh, you can get it to turn on and off on its own as a natural phenomenon. Uh, so that's why I, I always encourage definitely you need to have two and you ask it to turn on the right or the left or the red or the, or the blue if you've got the the lights tinted um, that makes a huge difference to see if you've got something intelligent actually working with you um, 
usually if I'm by myself, I know there's nothing intelligent working with me because, you know, it's me. Um, <laughs> well, the, the crazy thing is, I mean, you talked about how I was kind of the, the rational one, but as the more I did ghost hunts, the more I came to realize that I was actually sensing things in a room. Uh, and I, and I started to ask, uh, take pictures and do things where I, I was like, okay, I think there's something over there. And then I'd ask a medium, where is there something in this room and where is it? And it would be pretty much exactly where I, I thought it was. And, and, and that became more and more. And I, I think we had several opportunities where I, I, I pointed out to, to Beaker, Hey, there's something right behind you. Or, or there was something like one that uh, we, we were in a place and I pointed out that there was something at the end of the hallway. And so I, I picked, pulled up my camera and I took three photos and I told them by the end of, by the time I took the third shot, whatever it was, was gone. And so we took that and showed those photos. Can I say her name? Brand- oh, no? yeah. We oh. have to ding, ding, ding Brandy. <laughs> so we showed the pictures to Brandy and uh, without telling her what was going on, it was just like, what do you see in these photos? And she, she pointed out, well, there's a guy at the very end of the hallway in this first one. And then on the second one, he's going around a corner, the corner of the hallway. And in the third photo, photo he was gone, which is exactly kind of what I explained as I was going through it. Well, I remember that very vividly. We were at the Union Station up in Ogden. Yep. And we had set up a booth. Um, there were supposed to be a couple other people with us that did uh, kind of no-shows. Yeah, that's they right. were the ones we were that were all by ourselves. They were the ones yep. that were supposed to bring all the stuff that we were handing out. And so Mark and I are just sitting at this empty table by ourselves like, hey, come check out some of the gear we have. <laughs> and then, and people are like, are you with the team? And we're like, yeah, we are. We just we didn't have any of our signs or anything that we were supposed to have. And right behind us was a glass door with the it's hallway. All glass room, us. I think. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, and there wasn't... Uh, it wasn't somewhere where people could access. It was all locked. Like, I think the one of the only entrances was we were sitting in front of the doors. And I remember you telling me, that, hey, there's someone behind us. And I'm like, really? And then, yeah, you snapped the photos and Brandy confirmed it. Um, <laughs> and I think it's it's, it's interesting because um, that was probably a couple of years before I started being able to pick up on stuff. Like, you've, sure. been, you've been picking up on stuff, uh, like, become more sensitive to like feeling out the energies of spirits like way before I ever did. And I, I remember being fun as like, we both kind of started developing that we would just like kind of talk to each other like, Hey, do you feeling this? And we're like, yeah. Um, I think I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but I remember Absolutely. I've the, the one, one of the ones I remember specifically is the house we went to where there was a, a curse that was put on the house. Mm hmm. And you and I were in the basement and we were both sensing like a negative entity in the basement underneath the stairs. And like Brandy had already walked through there and she's like, yeah, there's nothing there. But you and I are like, yeah, there's definitely something here. Um, and then later we she actually confirmed that it was, it was kind of like, it was one of those situations. Have you seen, um, the conjuring two where Lorraine Warren's character in the movie talks about how, the one spirit was kind of blocking her. Like it didn't want her to know that it was there. Um, that was the same situation. Like it actually happened to Brandon. Yep. So I know that can happen, but that was the house where you and I carried that mirror, that door mirror off of that girl's bedroom. And for like a block and a half down the street, we carried it. We carried it across <laughs> the street to a church. 
It's written in a and trash can. Yeah. That thing, um, I tell this, I've, I might've told the story on this podcast before. I don't remember, but that was the mirror that you and I carried and it was not a heavy mirror. It was just long and awkward for one person to carry. But I just remember that thing going from feeling like it was five pounds to like 120 pounds. You know, I just, it felt like it was getting heavier and heavier the farther we got it away from the house. Sure. No, I believe I remember that. That yeah, was, that, that whole cursed house was interesting. It, even after uh, when when they lifted the curse on that place, uh, the person who uh, who put the curse on that house, their house burned down. Yeah, it was like a couple of days later, the owner of the home that we were investigated, you know, like said a prayer or something and asked for the curse to go back to wherever I think they it came brought from. a shaman in. Yeah, to do it. Yeah, is that what they did? Yeah, yeah. So they they basically sent the curse back to where it came from. And I think it was like her ex-husband's sister's yep, house burned like down that, yeah. like after the next day after they sent the curse back. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a trip. We've had a lot of cool experiences. Yeah. Uh, we've done Saltaire. Uh, uh, just you and I going through. Um, that's, that's the one where the team running the investigation asked us to lead groups. And I'm like, can we get our money back? <laughs> they said no. And nope. I said, have fun. We ended up with Susan Slaughter. From Ghost Hunters Yeah, it was actually pretty fun. She, I think we were teaching her how to use the dowsing rods properly, um, if I remember correctly. But <laughs> that was a really fun investigation. Yeah. Um, the only invest, I, I've done a huge amount of things here in Utah. Uh, the, the only thing I've done outside of Utah that was truly going kind of ghost hunting is that I did go through New Orleans. Um, in uh, New Orleans, uh, we did a a ghost hunt tour there and had a lot of fun uh we had i had a couple of experiences where we took a i took a photo of uh they told us about uh this one cemetery this children's cemetery that we went in and uh they said that uh the ghosts like to manipulate the photos that you you take and she showed us a picture of uh, a girl and her face looked like a skull uh, just kind of an outline of a skull on her face, like uh, where the kind of the spirit was kind of superimposing something over the, the thing. And I took a photo that had somebody that had the exact same thing, where we had a, 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 a the person's face look like a skull. That was pretty totally. awesome. Uh, we took a photo of one uh, where we were out in this one park that had like 500-year-old oak trees. And it was sitting right next to a, a pond uh, there in New Orleans. And I took some pictures. And I, I realized that uh, in the background of my pictures, I was using a flash. There were these two eyes staring at me. I realized there was an alligator in the, in the pond <laughs> looking at us. <laughs> oh, crazy. Um, but that was a, a ton of fun. We learned a huge amount about uh, the, 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 the cemeteries there and, and kind of the... the the above ground uh, cemeteries that they have there and, and how they kind of process the bodies uh, over the, uh, over the years and which is completely different than here in Utah. What else do you want to look through the list? I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at <laughs> the list. Um, so you, we just talked about Saltaire. You got on your list here, the green light in Saltaire. Yeah. So I did, uh, I did see a, a uh, I swear it was a, a laser because it was a, just a green bright light on just bouncing around on the ground and it zipped right into a wall uh, on the in the main entry area and 
initially I really kind of thought it was someone with just a, one of those green lasers. And I, I looked up a, in the balcony above. I even yelled up to the balcony above to see if anybody was there and if anybody was using a laser. Nothing. Uh, so that, that was one of the... I've seen a couple of different orbs with the naked eye, and that was definitely kind of the brightest and, and most colorful uh, orb. Um, I saw a small orb right before the event that uh, at Asylum 49 were uh, in the room that uh, we had the, the speaker growl back at us. Yeah, that was that was fun. Yeah, I loved that part. Um, wasn't there there's something that happened like right before I came in the room? Because I believe so, Ghosty and I went out to get the speaker from his car. So I went, the first thing that happened is when I walked into the room, I thought I saw uh, a, a it, what felt like a, an orb across the room. It was more of an open white orb about head height. And I honestly thought it was somebody's flashlight reflecting off of uh, some kind of surface on the wall. And when I went over there, that there was nothing on the wall that was reflective. It was all very uh, dull paint. Um, so that was the first thing that happened going into there. And then we sat down and while you guys were going out to the car, we did the, the shave and the haircut uh, knocks. We had a lot of K2 activity going through the whole thing, but we did actually get responses to the knocks uh, two times in a row. And we captured that on, on video as well as on audio. And then you guys came in and we had, uh, we had not only the, we had the flux and the, the, the K2 meters uh, a number of different devices in the room going off and it was seemed like they were going off to, uh, they kept on working closer and closer to us uh, until they made it to your speaker and then that's <laughs> the speaker like we said on that episode it wasn't plugged into anything it was, it was turned on it was but... turned on it was it was connected to ghosty's bluetooth on his phone but at the time he was actually recording video when the growl happened so it's not like he was playing something that would have caused it to come through the speaker. No, like he was, was actually recording unplugged. on his phone. So there's no way he could have made it go off. And we're just sitting there. I'm literally holding this speaker that's plugged into my auxiliary cord that is plugged into my hand. So unless my hand started growling, <laughs> like I was literally just holding the cord in my hand. Like it wasn't plugged in anything. The growl goes off. I think I tried to hand you the speaker. <laughs> like take it. <laughs> And it was like, like hell, I'm going to take that from you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, can we talk? We, the Benson Gristmill incident. We've, we've had a lot of, we've talked a lot about Benson Gristmill on this, this okay. podcast. But um, I see you've got it on here, a couple things on your list here uh, regarding Benson Gristmill, like the barn and stuff like that. But there's one uh, in particular, I I don't know if we've talked about it on the show. If I have, uh, you're going to hear it again. Um there was one of the potluck nights where you and I and Caden and his wife were standing in the parking lot, just bullshitting before we went home. And, um, I don't think, well, I've, I've seen you move this fast before, but this, you've moved pretty damn fast in this, this case where I just remember hearing this loud pop. It, it was, it sounded like there's like a cell tower nearby with transformers and stuff. I literally thought like one of the transformers blew up. It was right after we had said a prayer we were on the way out and ready to leave and next thing i know like you're right there like holding me and caden's right there like trying to push energy at me and i'm just like what the hell's going on and um what um i just remember i heard i heard the pop and i i think i remember texting you and caden like at two three in the morning after i got home and I, i'm like 
did you guys hear that popping noise? And no, you did It was just me. I was the only one that heard it. And I remember you saying that you felt something before I, all this went down. I definitely, the, the area got darker. Uh, it just, all of a sudden there was a negative energy, but I also, I believe I saw you flinch and your face went just ashen white. And I mean, uh, you had a mini stroke. I did. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and that's why he is the way he is today. <laughs> um, yeah, it just, there's been a couple of occasions where, where um, you've had some bad experiences on, on occasion where I felt like we, we needed to make sure we, we took care, care of Beaker and because he, uh, you've been hit pretty bad at, at the Zions Bank at the, and at Benson Grismel for sure down in the basement. Yeah. I think it's funny because I'm usually like the protector of the group, making sure everyone's okay. And Mark's the one making sure I'm okay. <laughs> I've got my own guardian. Um, that that was one of the nicknames Caden, Caden gave me. He's like, you're the paranormal bodyguard. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Um, I mean, well, the bodyguard needs a bodyguard sometimes yeah, too. So I, apparently, a- and Mark's it. So <laughs> if you see Mark and I together, you know shit's going to go down. <laughs> well, I, I've had a lot of fun experiences at Benson Grismill. I think one of the most memorable, though, is that is the one uh, for me is uh, we were doing a, one of the Chunga ghost hunts, and I was in uh, what's known as the Loom Room, um, and uh, Chunga came in with this huge group. It was I don't know there there must have been like sixteen people in that room. It was crowded. And That's I not a very big building. It's not a big room, and it it's was probably it was super about. Crowded. I mean, people can't see on video or the audio, but it's <laughs> about the, the size of a bedroom here. It's not that big. No, it, it, it got pretty crowded in there, and I was on the opposite end of the room, kind of the furthest away from the door. And Chunga was close, closest to the door, and he he brought out uh, the, the, a spirit box, and it started going through it and making noise, and. I don't know if you guys have talked about it before, but uh, sometimes there are spirits that don't like the spirit box. They just uh, uh, they have issues with it. And it, this is one of the few experiences where I've uh, had a, a spirit inflict uh, emotion towards it through me. And all I wanted to do was walk over and punch Chunga in the face. And you know how big Chunga is. I mean, you, I'm not a, I'm not a small guy myself, but the, walking up to Chunga that that's uh, would take a lot of guts to do that. And, and I was just angry. I was super mad, and I, I realized what was going on, and I had to leave the room. And uh, I went out to there's a place that's kind of a pavilion out outside uh, of the loom room, and I went and sat down over there. And Chunga came out to uh, to check on me, and I, he, he was walking up to me. I was like, Chunga, you need to stay away from me right now. And he didn't understand why, but he was like, okay, dude, I'll walk away. Uh, and I went over uh, and I found Castle. And I, I was like, you got to, uh, one, I, need, I, I think I need a blessing. But two, can you take a picture of me and send it to Brandy? Uh, and we, he sent a, a picture to Brandy and she described she didn't know what was going on she didn't know any anything that had transpired up to that point we just said hey do you what do you see in this picture and she says that there's this um this angry man with a beard behind me 
trying to push all of his dark energy into me and there was this sliver of white energy around me that was just protecting me but it was it was just barely p protecting me and so i spent the rest of the night with castle uh up kind of in the mill and eventually it just kind of dissipated and, and uh the entity left but it's one of those few times i've ever actually felt emotion and and, and wanted to hurt somebody which is pretty scary on its own right but just want to. Every time you saw his face, you just wanted to punch. I just it. wanted to go up and punch his face. That's right. I still <laughs> do. No. <laughs> Not really. He has one of those faces you just want to punch. <laughs> Something is like fist to meet face. Um, so, is there anything else with Benson Grismo that you want to? Uh, I've had some experiences with the barn, uh, with the. the um, oh, you the, were the you there when entity. we heard the footsteps? I've heard footsteps up on the top. I've seen him. Up in the top rafters, I've seen him actually standing in the doorway as a shadow figure waving at me, oh, uh, wow. almost tauntingly. It was uh, kind of disarming uh, at the time. Um, I've uh, I've been in the schoolhouse and I've uh, been able to. There was a, a time that I, I I sat down with some other friends and and they were using uh, dowsing rods and various different things and. Uh, they uh, ask different questions like how many people are in the room and I and I tell uh, I tell one of the guys it's four and they would do their thing without hearing me and they would come up with four and and they would ask what's the name of the boy sitting in this chair and I would say tell the guy his name is Matthew and sure enough that's what they came up with and it was kind of probably the most sensitive I've ever been uh, was able to kind of nail down almost everything that was going on in that room at the time. Uh, rarely have I ever gotten to that point. Um, I've had an incident where I was walking across one of the bridges and I felt like there was something at the very end of the bridge and I took a picture of it and I went to, uh, to Brandy and asked her, hey, what, what do you see in this photo? Where is, is there something at the end of the bridge? And she said that there's a uh, there's an, a Native American there guarding the the way to that other side of the bridge, and so it kind of helped confirm a, a number of different things like that. Um, so I know when we had Castle on a couple weeks ago, a month ago, whenever he was he was here, um, <laughs> him and I talked about the story where I got attacked at the Zion building. Uh huh. Um, and I remember you were there, and I remember like you and Josh Hansen and a, a couple of other people tried to give me a blessing on the doorsteps of the building, and none of you can get the words out. Um, but I, I see on your list here you've got several different things regarding the Zion building, and we haven't really talked about the Zion building that much on this podcast. And I see with uh, starting on your list here, um, people getting scratched. Yeah, so there is, uh, there's a lot of activity. I, I wish that was something that – we could get back into i know that they were slating it to be demolished but it, i don't think it ever was demolished uh, but the, when you walked into that first main room on, on that zion's building uh, there was a, just a small little skinny storage room off to the left and we had found out early on that there was a man there by the name of marcus and marcus liked to swear a lot uh, and was caught on EVPs on several different occasions. But if you went into, I, I, there were, I probably took 
five or six uh, groups on, on ghost tours through that building. And when I took them into that room, I, I could tell them, uh, I would tell them right away that, hey, I want you to make sure you always keep your hands for, on your side, to your sides, so you keep them away from scratching yourself or anything like that. But if there were any women in the, in the room, to, to pay attention to their arms and their shoulders and just uh, tell me if they feel anything. And sure enough, almost every single time, at least one of the women in the room would say, my arms is burning right now. And I was like, okay, let's, you and I walk outside, uh, out of the room right now and let's uh, check you out. And pretty much every single time they would have two or three scratches uh, on that arm because uh, Marcus just, for some reason, hated women, and that, and he would do that uh, to them almost every time we went in there. Um, you know, I need to, I need to go through my old video and see if I can find, because I have video in that room of Marcus responding on the Echo Vox in German. I remember one of the things like um, Lurch has been on the show a couple times. He was learning, or he knew German from his mission, I believe, and he would speak in German to Marcus and I actually got one of the responses. I guess he asked him if he spoke German and uh, you hear clearly it says Sehr gut, which is very good. Yep. Um, and I, I have a couple other. Um, these are currently on YouTube on the other team's YouTube channel. I'll see if I can find them on my computer and put them up on EVP's YouTube. Um, I can't guarantee that, but I'll see if I can put them up because I had several. Um, it was either Spirit Box or Echo, Box, Echo Vox in that room with him responding in German. Yeah, my, my first, um, what do you call it, class one EVP came from that building. Uh, there was a room up uh, on the second or third floor called the shoe room. It was the second floor. The they second used, floor. Yeah, it was yep. the second floor. They used to use this building as storage for um, costumes. One for of the, the theaters. Yeah, one of the local theaters. So they yeah. had a room that was just full of shoes for, for these plays. Yeah, I was in there, and uh, one of the very first questions out of my mouth was, is there anybody here with us? And I have a very clear just us uh, response. Oh, wow. And it, it was pretty awesome. That, that was my very first kind of class one EVP that I, I captured. Uh, we had a lot of stuff where they did uh, the spirit box in one of the bathrooms, and uh, we heard a huge amount about uh, – there was actually a suicide uh, by some homeless people in that, in that bathroom, and there was a lot of talk about pain and darkness and confusion uh, going on in that room. Um, we did have a, a, a funny occurrence where we had – I had a group that was ghost hunting up in the, t the top floor, uh, which had a whole ton of costumes and everything else. And we were sitting kind of in the middle of the rows and rows of costumes. And everybody heard uh, footsteps and they were getting closer and closer. And it was actually, it was actually Castle uh, came in from a side door that nobody knew existed at the time. And he, he kind of snuck in, <laughs> didn't really, he wasn't doing it on purpose, but he had, by the, when he came around the corner and they saw this figure come out of nowhere, I had some of the women in that group scream as loud as oh, I ever heard. And they literally went running out of the building. I had to go chase them back down and say there was nothing going yeah, on. I believe I was on the floor below you. You probably heard it. <laughs> yeah, we just we hear all the screaming and everyone's like, what is going on? So I think there's people running downstairs, people running upstairs to see what's going on. Like, 
everyone just kind of stopped investigating to make sure everyone was okay. But yeah, he came up the fire escape from outside. Yeah, that's right. And, was- and came in through the 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 back door, not the main stairwell. Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> I, and oh, obviously, one of the most memorable things there wasn't even uh, paranormal. Um, we were up on the third floor, and I, I kept on hearing a voice. And, and obviously, we're ghost hunting, so we're all listening for voices and different things. But I'm, I'm hearing someone yell from outside, throughout the window, help me. Uh, he's dying. Uh, and a bunch of us went running uh, outside and kind of started running around a corner, uh, inclu- including Gat Castle. I don't know if you were there at the time. I was not there for this part. Okay. I've heard about it. I think it was it was a two-parter investigation. And I think, no, we didn't, okay. he didn't share that story. I, I tried to get him to, but we didn't get it. But it's a funny story. Well, <laughs> well, what happened to Some Castle? Was, what happened to Castle yeah. was funny. So uh, we're, I mean, it's it's probably two in the morning, and so it's pretty dark out there, and we're running through a, a parking lot, and uh, Castle's just, I mean, uh, being who he is, is just all out in a full tilt run to find out what was going on and to to help or save this person, um, and he went just full belt into a, a chain link or a, a, a chain fence. It was just, I mean, it's just a single chain going uh, that was from pole to pole about waist high. Oh. And he went full tilt into that thing. And I mean, I, we almost thought he needed to go to the hospital, but um, did he face plant or flip? I, I think it just completely, uh, he tacoed right around that thing. It, it was, it was pretty bad. You should have seen that bruise. He oh, had that for he had, months. Yeah. He didn't eat the grass or anything. No, he didn't. Well, you, it would have been pavement if he did. I don't, oh. I don't remember. Yeah. We were in a parking lot and it was just roping off a section of the parking lot to keep cars from coming in. And what would really happen is that, uh, some guy, uh, and his girlfriend were in a bar and they were both drunk and he decided or no, she decided that she was breaking up with him, and he got so upset that he went outside and decided to pick one of the big concrete um, the planters that were outside in downtown Salt Lake and decided to start bashing his, forehead, his head into it, uh, trying to kill himself. Oh my he God. literally tried to kill himself, and, um, I mean, he was laying out on the ground. Uh, his head was just a bloody mess. And uh, we we had to call nine one one. We had to administrate uh, administer uh, first aid with the guy, uh, and, and we had several people. And Castle was definitely one of those key players, even though he had uh, uh, had almost taken himself out. Uh, still trying to make sure that everything was you know, going well. And I I I was one of the ones that called nine one one and tried to orchestrate getting the ambulance in to where the guy was. Uh, but it was a pr- pretty scary event that night, and um, I, I know that the, those stories have been told a number of times with, uh, in some of the the, uh, the podcasts that Castle's done. Yes. Yes, he has. Half the time, <laughs> he leaves me out of it. Oh. Yeah, well, you know, that's just that's the type the- of guy he is. <laughs> so... I know we're just. I'm just kind of bouncing all over your list here. That's fine. There's, there's a lot of good stuff. On it's here. not in any particular order. I just I've noticed because like in. yeah, like number seven, you know, Zion Building, and like number seventy-seven Zion Building. So, um, not really, but it's somewhere in there. It's okay. Um, yeah. so one of the things I'm looking at. So I, 
had started doing energy work within the last few years. And when I first started getting introduced to crystals, I literally said on the other podcast that crystals only work if you throw them at the spirits and run away. And I've changed my mind since then. Obviously, I've started using crystals with energy work. I know Ghosty does it as well. Yep. Using, I mean, his room, you can see crystals all over. You, we can. You guys can't. I'm not mm-hmm. turning the camera. I got rocks. Um, he's got rocks. And not just. They're fancy they're, rocks. Yeah, they're fancy. They're shiny. Um, but you've got here on your list, like, your thoughts on uh, worry beads, crosses, and crystals. Uh, so I think one of the other ones, which uh, ties in uh, the first experience I kind of had with crystals, uh, we went and and did a investigation at someone's home. Uh, I think I was slightly under the weather. I had a cough that just would not. I probably had it for the last week and a half. And um, you kind of did it kind of a, a cleansing moment uh, session with me with uh, with your crystals. And I swear that cough just disappeared uh from that night on, I didn't have any problems. So it was my first experience with any kind of healing uh, that comes with crystals. Um, one of the things uh, with being with the, the LDS faith, uh, I have found that uh, my experiences ghost hunting have actually increased my faith instead of uh, questioning it or anything. But it, I've had to do it in a way that I've looked at things like let's like things like worry beads. Um, I I've seen firsthand where for worry beads uh, have actually deterred or kind of pushed off demons, and from someone of a different faith, I'd, I had to ask the question of, well, why is that? How how can that? How could I apply that with my own personal faith and what I understand and and make it sort sort of the way something that was tangible and I can agree with type of thing. And one of the things I I discovered is that when I I feel like uh, energy, energy is a tangible thing that if you, you can imbue objects with either positive or negative energy, just like our crystals and and stones that you guys have. Um, And I think with something like worry beads or, or someone wearing a cross, if they if they pray either to it or with it, I think they imbue it with positive energy, and that positive energy can be built up over time, and then that 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 object can be utilized in, in that fashion, where it actually can be a deterrent. Uh, and I also think, from a standpoint of, that's also the reason why um, God does not like you to pray at titles, because I think it has to do with the fact that you can you're imbuing power into something other than his own creations and i don't think he likes that so i can see that uh, and and there were things like that um i had to look at people were talking about auras and you can see people that are green or red or yellow and not something i've ever seen myself uh so i've had to kind of question is this something that's real and when you see the depictions of god uh, you always see him kind of clothed in kind of what would be best described as a white aura. And I realized that that's the perfect balance of all colors combined to create white. And so he's got the red and the blue and the, the green. He has everything in perfect balance. And that's why he can come across as that white balance, uh, white aura. Uh, so 
I found ways to be able to take that and say, you know what, I, I can understand that I, I could I can accept that to a certain extent and be able to apply that uh, to my own faith. So it's been interesting with that. Oh, sorry if you hear anything. <laughs> There's people that just got here. My I'm hearing voices. Home. Yeah, my daughter just got home. I, I'm going crazy. <laughs> um, so another thing I'd, I'd like to talk about, and this, we might be talking about this on a future episode because we watched a documentary today, uh, Ghosty and I did. Um, I see you have on here, uh, I, I kind of want to get your thoughts about uh, Ouija boards. Okay. And on, on your list here, you have Ouija boards and drugs. Um, we straight up say no drugs on an investigation link yep. or alcohol, which is technically a drug. Um, but energy drinks or gung ho. Yes, <laughs> sure. You just want to keep your mind clear and yeah. focused while you're on an investigation. If you're using drugs, you open yourself up for um, not necessarily possession, but being influenced by things that are negative. Um, I've, in my experiences, cause I've actually been on an investigation where I had like a stein of beer right before I went to the investigation. I will never do that again. It was so weird. I just like, this is after I started kind of developing my gifts. I just, everything was shut off. I couldn't feel anything. It just felt super uncomfortable. So I'll, I'll never do that again, but I just, I'm curious on your thoughts on Ouija boards or any, any investigations that you've been on where Ouija board has been present in the home. So my first experience with uh, a Ouija board was when I was a teenager. I, I, it wasn't an experience that I had specifically, uh, but I was with the, uh, it was sort of a summer camp uh, type deal uh, for, I, I, was, I was a bagpiper in California and I was up a, at a bagpiping school with a, a bunch of other uh, teenagers and a group of them went in and said, hey, we're gonna go play with this Ouija board. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I, I really wanna do that. And they went through and uh, they they were starting to do talk to this Ouija board and it started to move and do things. And, and at some point they said, uh, they, made, they asked the question, uh, who is this? And it went to L and then it went to U and then it went to C and it went to I and it, as they, realized that it was starting to spell out Lucifer, uh, they all ran out of the room screaming and, and they came back and told me what was going on. And that, that was kind of a, my first experience in, in knowing that uh, Ouija boards were a pretty bad thing to, to, to be dealing with and uh, shouldn't be trifled with. But I tell you, when we've, with the group of WISP, uh, one of the things that they do uh, which is great, is that they've gone into places, homes that uh, have called out to them, and they do this for, they've done it for free, uh, where they would go in and, and help uh, those people by doing an investigation and hopefully either identifying what's going on with their place or um, they would uh, try to get rid of whatever is there. And I tell you, Nine times out of ten, when there was a problem in that home and there was something evil in that home, it was either one of two things: it was either because there was a lot of drugs going on in that in that house, or the either somebody in the in the place played with a Ouija board. Um, you just open up; you can open up portals and allow things into your home 
by playing with a Ouija board. And it may not happen that night. It could be months down the road that uh, you, but you've left that door wide open, uh, wide open for something to come in and it can really mess with you. And I've, I've seen it uh, firsthand with some people that uh, they would deny that they played with a Ouija board. And by the end of the night with all the evidence uh, kind of compounding, they would admit yeah, I guess about three months ago I play, I did play with a Ouija board. And uh, it, now that I think about it, it, a lot of this started happening a, a couple of weeks after that type of thing. And so, yeah, I, I definitely uh, do not recommend to anybody uh, even idly uh, playing with that type of thing. I don't, I have a hard time with anything where you have to use yourself to, as the conduit to... Um, get answers um and so there, there's i i it gets controversial but i'm not a big fan of, of even dousing rods because i feel like there's something that has to work through you to in order to to make them work and and i know plenty of people out there that, that love uh, to use dowsing rods and get a ton of feedback off of them it's just not something that i'm willing to step in being that engineering mind i i want to understand uh how things work and, and so I like I said I, I tend to stay away from the things that uh, don't have a good scientific explanation to be able to, to be able to pass on uh, that evidence unless I'm looking for water I don't use dowsing rods either <laughs> or precious metals <laughs> I you know the one place I would love to t take some dowsing rods is uh, going I've done as a number of trips to the UK I would love to take a, a pair of dowsing rods and go uh, to some of the standing stones and, and see what would happen uh, out there. Nothing specifically, I guess it's kind of paranormal, but it's not spiritual, uh, spiritually in, uh, inviting, but I just love to see what some of the ley lines and things, that, uh, what they might do out there. That would be cool. So one of the places on your list, and we haven't really ever talked about it on this show before, um, do you have any experiences from Off-Broadway Theater? that you'd like to share uh, so that was one of the probably the the off-broadway theater is probably the one of the best places where i've seen the flashlight technology with two flashlights work the, uh, the best uh, we had them set up on the stage and uh, we had a, a red one and uh, i think a blue one at the time and we we had responses that were almost in sync where we could have them turn on or off at will one of the two flashlights and so that was uh really exciting to see that we went down into the basement uh uh we had kind of a fun experience i took have a photo of uh, ben hansen uh sticking his head up uh, an ass uh, literally an ass <laughs> it was a donkey's head uh, so i told him to pull his head out of the ass and um so it was kind of fun with doing that but I didn't have that was I, I think I, I, I knew that there were uh, I, I could sense some things going on in the off-Broadway theater I knew there was somebody about like the third row from the back uh, there was I could see a shadow there uh, but I, I didn't have get any more additional evidence on that I do remember there was one time there was a group that we were friends with hit us up and they said hey we're a little short staff for our public investigation this weekend any way you can help out. So I reached out to you and Lurch and asked if you guys could come. We were we were told 
They just needed some people to help like lead their groups. I'm like, sure, we can do that. Uh, Lurch ended up getting sick, so it was just you and I that went. Yeah. And I just remember being so frustrated that that uh, that for event. like the third time we were in charge of practically well, we, everything. We weren't just we weren't just leading groups. We taking payments and no, we literally like they kind of they got everybody checked in and then their whole team left and it was just Mark and I. What the hell? Yeah. So we're they got their money and run. Yeah, pretty much. So we're sitting there like running this paranormal investigation for some other team that I thought we were just like helping them lead groups because they said they're shorthanded. Yeah, they just checked everybody in. We set up the groups and kind of set up the rotations and everything. And it was just like, yeah, I think that was the last time I volunteered to help another group. <laughs> like I'm not doing this again. So basically, like we did all the the heavy lifting and they took the money. Um, I'm just a little frustrated. That's why, like, I think. When we went to Salt Air, they're like, hey, can you help lead the group? And we're just like, no, we're good. I mean, it was a different team at Salt Air. Definitely but, a different team, yeah. But I'm just like, mm, no. So it's like, I like going, I used to go to other teams' uh, events just because I wanted to see how other teams investigated. Sure. That's kind of how I learned was just taking what everybody else was doing and finding what made sense to me and doing what worked for me. And it got to the point where I kind of became well-known. I mean, all of us in West did. And when we showed up at someone else's event, oh, can you guys help us out? Nope. Nope. Uh, unless you're refunding the money, we're good. Yeah. It, it's it's nice when you're the paying customer to be the actual customer. Yeah. And, and, and so there's, yeah, there's been several times where I've been, I've had to go, even on events that you haven't gone on, and they've asked me to, to be a part of things and it's just like really or they stick their new members in your group and expect you to train them for them yeah I've I mean, had that if, a you, times, if so. you want me to to comment and, and bring things in that's awesome but I, i'm there just to, to to be a part of the, the experience as well and so, so um there's one last story that i want to talk about i don't know if castle and i talked about this or if Lurch and i talked about it but i know when we were at the cigar room i i was uh I got you to tell a story <laughs> that I th- I was wondering if it tripped your kid out at all because your kid came to the investigation with us last week and we talked about the story how we were at a residential investigation. Um, it, weird stuff just started happening inside the house. We were in a house That's in right. Provo. Um, I, I had my video camera set up down a hallway and I remember like... Brandy went and stood in a doorway to kind of block a spirit's energy. And I looked up at her and I noticed that she didn't look quite right. Like her eyes were just like completely black. You can tell when something takes over with her. And it's, it is a scary thing when it does. It, oh, this, I mean, this was like one of the first times this happened. So I, I know I was trying to move her out of the doorway. It was just kind of tugging on her arm a little bit. Lurch was trying to tug on her. Um, I noticed something. I said something. Lurch started saying something to her. She wasn't responding. So I got to the point where I literally picked her up and carried her. And this is not the first time that I've actually picked her up and carried her away from somewhere. Um, I set her down in the recliner and I just remember her looking up at me and her eyes were back to normal and she just smiled. She's like, it's okay. It's me now. And I had most of that on video, um, somewhere. And that one I've not been, I don't believe I have permission to show that. Uh, on YouTube anyways, but 
Uh, it was later when we went out to the field behind the house, there was a portal, Brandy told us, and we went out there to go close the portal. And we, we had all, to get there first. We had to get there first. We climbed over a fence. It was Some of for, us did it better than others. It was easy for two of us, the, the, the skinny in-shape people. The rest of us, like Mark and I, we struggled. To get over the fence. Some of us struggled more. Some of us struggled more. Some of us uh, was half naked um, at the end of the investigation. <laughs> yeah, so my, I, I, I caught my pant leg uh, on one of the chain link, uh, at the very top of the chain link fences. Uh, and as I came down, it completely ripped uh, my one of my pant legs in half all the way up to, <laughs> to my nether regions. Um, so, I, to the point that I actually took my jacket and tied it around my waist like a skirt to, to kind of keep myself uh, slightly, at least more. To uh, hide your shame. My, my, I was at least a, at a, a, a level 16 rated type thing. <laughs> PG-13. <laughs> PG-13 um, what, what was frustrating is for, I'm sure for you more than the rest of us is, after we got out into the field, we realized there was a big opening into the field. If we just walked around the block, we could have <laughs> it walked It would have been in. just fine. But I just remember, we get there. She shows us where the portal is. We all bend down on the ground. We've got our hands on there. She's taught us how to, like, push our energy into the portal. And we've done this several times before. This was not the first time. No. And But we did learn from this that from then on out, we, one of us needed to be in contact with her. And that prevented it. If you did not weren't in contact with her, that there was a potential for something bad to happen. And so as long as someone was touching her during, as we were pushing out a portal or as a group trying to get rid of an entity that was in a building, even the cursed house that we had, I remember distinctly realizing halfway through uh, one of our prayers that no one was touching Brandy. And I looked up and I could see uh, that something had taken over and it was scary but this time no one would this was before we we knew this and so yeah we were all down on our knees kind of pushing trying to push this portal out and normally when it was done when we were done she would give us like a thumbs up or thumbs down if it wasn't done and we're in the middle of doing this and all of a sudden she just stands up Yep. And so you, Castle, and Lurch all stood up, and I just stayed on the ground, just like pushing my fingers into the ground as hard as I could, because I'm like, I'm the only one pushing energy into this right now. And it's not and closed yet. She stood up, and she's not like giving us any indication whether or not it was open or closed. She didn't give us the normal thumbs up or thumbs down. She just stood there, and so I stood up and I looked at her, and I just remember distinctly like this foul sulfur smell coming through the air. And I looked at her and asked her if she was okay. And I remember, uh, I can't remember if it was me or Lurch first, but one of us put our hands on her shoulder and she shrugged us off. And another one of us put our hands on her shoulder and she shrugged us off. And then she started to run. So I was chasing her. And I mean, if you've seen her, she's been on the show before. I'm, I'm six foot five. She's five foot like two. And... Uh, I started chasing her. I grabbed her and she had actually got out of my grip and started running again. I think Lurch did the same thing. He grabbed her and uh, she got away from him. And then next thing we all know, here comes Mark with his ripped pants and all just like full on tackled her to the ground mm -hmm. and was like bear hugging her as hard as she, he could. And it was really hard. I, I 
truly thought because her arms that she was struggling, it, it took every ounce of strength to, to hold her down. I really, truly thought I was breaking ribs. Uh, I mean, that was how, how tight I was holding on to her, trying to keep her from not moving. And uh, I really did think that I, I was going to injure her at that point in time as she was trying to get away. And then uh, we had Castle came in and was able to uh, say a prayer, a priesthood blessing. And that's when all sorts of crazy things started going on. It was like a marionette, like um, when he finished. But the, the I just remember the the horses. They were, they were on the other side of a fence in the field. Yeah, just yeah. a corral next to it. <clears throat> and there was two horses and they were... I. I was worried that these things were going to jump their fence and charge us. Like they were going absolutely crazy. Yeah. They were jumping on their hind legs and they were neighing just really loudly. They were going just nuts during this time while we were struggling with her. And I don't honestly, some of it may have been just the the whole commotion that we were doing, but there was a certain point in time that I knew that whatever was in her left and all of a sudden, the horses calmed down in almost instantaneously at that moment. And well, so I, that's when I realized, no, that they're not. It's not because of the commotion that we were doing. It was the the, the energy and just the the foulness in the air was affecting them. Yeah, I remember when Castle finished the blessing. It was almost like a marionette had cut her strings because yeah, yeah. she was fighting the whole time. Like after it took all you, three of us to yeah. hold her down. Once I tackled her and I was holding her. Yeah, it, it was I, me, it you took and all Lord three of us down. to hold her down. And while Castle gave a blessing, it was done. She just went completely limp, and then the horses calmed right down, and that weird, like, sulfur smell just vanished. It was, it's probably one of the craziest things I've ever experienced. And I'm surprised. I don't think, have we talked about that before? Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Um, well, if we have, you've heard it again. I don't know if it's <laughs> been on the show, though. Well, yeah, you were in the cigar room, I think, when we talked about it the other night. Yeah. So I don't think we've talked about it on the show. With Lurch and Castle both being on the show, we saved it for you. Just for me. Yes. In my pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, that was literally, <laughs> hands down, one of the craziest things I've ever experienced. And I wouldn't care to ever do that again. It was not fun. No, it wasn't fun. There, there, there's been a couple occasions where it's actually gotten somewhat dangerous, uh, I, I would say, that... Uh, it, ghost hunting it, it can be uneventful on occasion, but uh, but when you go into some people's homes, there's always a dark entity that's, if they're having bad things going on, they don't want you to be there. And I, I think when we go and kind of ghost hunt uh, these various places that uh, people do ghost hunting all the time, yeah, some bad things could happen, uh, but I, I think you, you're subjecting yourself to something that's truly this is my domain this is i've taken over this house type of thing you you're the intruder coming in and they they're not happy about it um it's like kicking out a squatter mm-hmm. yeah there, there was essentially one, what it is i mean yeah, yeah. basically they, they've yeah. taken up residence somewhere where they're not supposed to and we're the ones coming in saying it's time to go i went to one in tula uh i was there with lurch and castle and uh, this guy had uh, claimed that he had seen uh, cloven hoof prints uh, in the snow outside of his house. And 
one of the first, I, I guess there's only been a couple of occasions, and even uh, I, I served an LDS mission. There was one time that I walked into a place and uh, taught uh, a man, uh, taught him the gospel or did what they called the first discussion at the time. The entire time I, uh, I was thinking to myself, and I told my companion afterwards, the only thing I could think of was I needed to get out of that house. And because I, I knew that that person was possessed with something evil and we were not welcome there. And we went to this house in Tooele and we instantly recognized that it, was, it, it wasn't something in the house. It was something in this guy. And, and this guy was, I don't know, he was like six foot two, completely ripped. We knew that he had uh, weapons and uh, uh, guns and knives in the house and we uh we went through several uh stages trying to uh, cast the demon out of him and uh i know one point in time we uh, i mean this guy was huge and we were ringing a bell and he was curled up in fetal position on the floor whimpering uh because the for whatever reason bells seem to uh do something it's not a, a pleasant noise for for demons um but we also we, we also gave him a blessing, and, and during that entire time in that blessing, he admitted that the only thing he wanted to do is rip our throats out. Uh, he was so angry at the time, uh, it, it, and it, we truly, I was thankful that uh, I knew that Castle and, and Lurch uh, at the time uh, were, were uh, concealed carrying, and I was, that was one of those times I was grateful that they were because I, I, I truly kind of feared for my life. At that point in time, oh, I straight up asked Lurch if he had his gun on him. I think you and I took. Were you there? You and I took turns. I apologize. You no, were there. You, Oops, sorry. I was the one that. <laughs> we uh, didn't say brandy. <laughs> that was me. My bad. <laughs> I was the one that uh, found the the gentleman. He went out to smoke, and okay. you guys started ringing the bell, and I hear him screaming, and I stepped out his front door, and he was in the driveway just screaming, "Make it stop!" But I remember like we took turns. Standing in between his bedroom door and him because he had those loaded rifles that's against right. the wall that weren't in a case or anything. Yeah, that that's was... that. That story is now full circle. We've had all four people tell that on the, story on yeah, that investigation. Okay. Tell that story, <laughs> and it's the one that uh, I think you would agree with me on this one. I, I know Castle and Lurch will as well. It is the scariest investigation we have ever been on. I mean, there are some scary ones that have to do with the paranormal, but that is the, the, the it has to take the cake for fearing for my own life for sure like we weren't worried about the entities in the home we were worried about the person being controlled by the entities and i, I seriously thought that uh, we were going to hear back a month or two later that uh, there was a murder suicide in tooele and because uh, i i mean the, the man was married and i thought for sure you at some point we'd hear that he killed his wife because just you know, awful awful situation and I do think that that one also had to do with he admitted at one point that he played with Ouija boards. He so he said that um, he did in the past and that he wasn't anymore. Uh, Brandy had actually kind of she wasn't there. That was the one we said it was a trap for her. Um, okay, that yeah. she would have she would have died had she gone. Unfortunately, she was fortunately she was sick and couldn't make it. Um, but she's the one that told us after the fact that he was still playing with them on a daily basis. <clears throat> he, yeah, he denied it. But. Yeah, he denied it. But we, we, we knew from other means that that was that was not true. 
Yeah, like I've so. said before, like Ouija boards can be another tool to communicate with spirits, but I highly recommend not using them uh, for the reason that you said earlier. You're allowing something to manipulate your body, and I just don't jive with that. Yeah, I, it, letting things into you as well as letting things into your home, uh, I, that's just a, that's a, a terrible thing to happen. Uh, I've only had one experience where uh, I've had something follow me home, and that actually came from the family tree. Um, the the one, uh, I think the second time that I went to the family tree, I uh, I went through all the the, the ne- necessary steps as we were leaving, uh, saying my prayers and saying t- telling everything. You can't follow me home, but uh, when I came home for the next couple of weeks. I, I, I just sensed that something was off, something was wrong, and my wife actually started having dreams of this little black boy standing outside of our house saying, uh, yelling the, to please let me in. And uh, that it was one of those, another scary moment. Uh, and that's where I, I kind of did a full cleansing of my house, and I kicked every spirit out of my house. I didn't care if it was good or bad. It was it was like, there's nothing going to be living in my house <laughs> for a while. Out. Everybody's out. And I tell you... It only it, takes one of you to ruin it. <laughs> there was a point in time, uh, there were several investigations at the family tree, and I was invited to a number of them. I, I couldn't get you to come you, you, for I, years. I, it was several years that I... Uh, I had this premonition that you do not need, you should not go to the family tree. And whatever it was, maybe it left at some point in time, but if I, I truly felt like if, uh, if I came back, it would be uh, like an open invitation for that, uh, that entity to come home with me again. And eventually that, that, that feeling went away. And I, I have gone back to the family tree uh, since that point, but uh, yeah, it was for years. I, I, uh, I loved going on ghost hunts, and that was uh, that was just a no, a straight up no. I can't do that right now. So, well, should we? It's getting kind of late into the no, episode. No, that's fine. Yeah. Is there any no. other any other last things, or should we save it for another time if you remember it? I don't know. We, we can talk about you being the slob whisperer. No, we'll no. save it for okay, another time. Okay, there we go. Um, that's how we end. all righty thanks for listening this far if you could do us a favor and check out our social medias at evp.pod at instagram and facebook if you have a story that you'd like to share with us whether it's something you want just us to read or if you want us to share it on the the episode let us know in the email but you can email us at evp.pod at gmail.com also check out our affiliate link to go stop that's in our uh it's on our instagram it's on our link tree it's somewhere we've got it um, we post it on every episode when we post this on Facebook and Instagram. So um, check out the affiliate link. It's where we buy all of our gear when we go ghost hunting. I well, hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Scared and Fascinated on the EVP podcast. Go see, don't play that. Peace out, butterflies. Thank you. This is the EVP podcast. <laughs> do, do I get to be the P? <laughs> yes you can be the yes pee. i love pee <laughs> <laughs> all right okay we're ready to ready you to rock